Hi everyone, welcome back to Daily Gospel Exegesis. Let's dive straight into today's passage. This is the Gospel reading you would hear at Mass, so we'll read it out, and then we'll have a go at doing a verse-by-verse exegesis of it. So we're looking at Luke chapter 20, verses 27 to 38. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, approached Jesus and they put this question to him. Master, we have, we have it from Moses in writing that if a man's married brother dies childless, the man must marry the widow to raise up children for his brother. Well then, there were seven brothers. The first, having married a wife, died childless. The second and then the third married the widow. And the same with all seven, they died leaving no children. Finally, the woman herself died. Now, at the resurrection, to which of them will she be wife, since she had been married to all seven? Jesus replied, The children of this world take wives and husbands, but those who are judged worthy of a place in the other world and in the resurrection from the dead do not marry, because they can no longer die, for they are the same as the angels. And, being children of the resurrection, they are sons of God. And Moses himself implies that the dead rise again, in the passage about the bush, where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, he is God not of the dead, but of the living, for to him all men are in fact alive. Interesting passage. So, what's the context here? Jesus has just arrived in Jerusalem for the last week of his life. Already now he's cleansed the temple And now he's teaching in the temple in the days leading up to his death. The Jewish leaders want to get rid of Jesus. And just before this, he's been asked by the Jewish leaders about paying taxes to Caesar. And that's covered as a bonus episode of the podcast on the Patreon page, if you want to check out what happens just prior to this. We get to verse 27, it says, Some Sadducees. Now, Sadducees don't often appear in the Gospels. They're not the Pharisees. They're a different group. It appears that Sadducees were wealthy priests who were from the upper class of Jewish society. So whereas the Pharisees in this time were sort of considered the leaders of the common people, the Sadducees appealed more to the rich and those in the upper class of society. Now, not all of the Sadducees were temple priests, but many of them were. And if they weren't temple priests, they certainly were associated with the temple. So the Sadducees were largely confined to Jerusalem because they spent a lot of time being associated with the temple. They were a very powerful party within Judaism. They consisted mostly of the priests and their families and supporters. Basically, they were the aristocracy of Judaism. The Sadducees cooperated with the Romans and they facilitated good relationships with the Romans. So they promoted tolerance of the Romans. As a result, they were not popular with the common people because the common people didn't like the Romans, but other wealthy Jews did support them. And it says here, Luke says, the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees have a different set of beliefs. The Pharisees basically accepted all of the Old Testament. The Sadducees didn't. The Sadducees only accept the first five books of Moses, the Torah, basically. And as a result, the Sadducees believe that there's no bodily resurrection of the dead. The Pharisees did believe in the resurrection of the dead because that's taught in the Old Testament. But the resurrection of the dead is not particularly clear in the books of Moses. Since the Sadducees only accept the books of Moses, they didn't accept the resurrection of the dead. 
it is clearer later in the Old Testament, like in the book of Daniel. And in Maccabees, it's made pretty clear that the resurrection of the dead happens, but the Sadducees don't accept those books. So the Sadducees instead believed that the soul perishes when the body dies at death. So in that sense, you can say the Sadducees are the conservatives. They're not willing to embrace new ideas. They're very conservative. Verse 28, they approach Jesus and they put this question to him. So they're trying to trap Jesus, just like the question about paying taxes to Caesar. So they say to Jesus, Master, we have it from Moses in writing. So now they're going to quote something to Jesus from the books of Moses. They see the books of Moses as authoritative. So they're going to quote Jesus something that they think he should pay attention to. Here's what they quote. If a man's married brother dies childless, the man must marry the widow to raise up children for his brother. Now, this was a real Jewish law. It's called the Leverite law. It's in Deuteronomy 25 verse 5, which says that if a Jewish man dies without having children, then his brother has to take that woman as his wife and have children on his brother's behalf. So it's a real Jewish law that they're quoting Jesus here. Now, they're going to try and use this law as a springboard to show that the resurrection of the dead doesn't make sense. That's the direction they're going to go with it. Here's what they say. Well, then, there were seven brothers. The first, having married a wife, died childless. The second and then the third married the widow. And the same with all seven, they died leaving no children. Finally, the woman herself died. Now, at the resurrection, to which of them will she be wife, since she had been married to all seven? So this is their hypothetical scenario that they've come up with to try and trap Jesus. They think that they've created a scenario here that Jesus can't possibly make sense of if Jesus believes in the resurrection of the dead. They think this scenario contradicts the resurrection of the dead. And their thinking is that this woman in the hypothetical scenario can't possibly be married to seven men. But if you believe in the resurrection of the dead, then it seems you're going to have to believe that she's married to all seven men. And that doesn't make sense. So by this, they think they show that the resurrection of the dead is not real. Now, interestingly, there's a very similar situation to this case of a woman being married to seven brothers. If you look at Tobit chapter 3, verse 8, it describes a situation like this. So in that Tobit chapter 3, there's a woman who gets married to seven men and none of them have any children because they, they keep dying. And so the next man comes and takes his place. So there could be a reference here to Tobit chapter 3 or maybe Maccabees. There's a similar situation in Maccabees, but the Sadducees don't accept Tobit or or Maccabees as scripture. So maybe they haven't got that in mind, although it's possible. Some scholars think they really are referring to the situation that's described in the book of Tobit chapter 3. So that's their scenario. Jesus' response In response, he's going to do two things. Watch what he does here. He's going to directly answer the question about whose wife she'll be. And then he's going to go on to make a more fundamental point that they've missed. He's going to to show that the Sadducees really should accept the resurrection. Because, as he's going to make clear, the resurrection of the dead is actually implied in the first five books of Moses. Now, in Mark's version, this is in Mark chapter 12, at this point, Jesus says is not the reason why you go wrong that you neither understand the scriptures nor the power of God. So he actually says that. But in Luke's version, in verse 34, he says, the children of this world take wives and husbands. Now, what it actually says there in the Greek is the children of this world marry and are given in marriage. Or you can translate that as the children of this age, 
which is kind of like the time period in this world before the kingdom comes in its fullness. So Jesus here teaches that marriage happens in this age. It has an important purpose in this age. As Jesus affirms elsewhere, it's actually a very important thing that's been set up by God. Verse 35, But those who are judged worthy of a place in the other world and in the resurrection of the dead... Another translation of this would be those who are accounted worthy to attain to that age and to the resurrection of the dead. So notice here that Jesus says that some, but not all people, will attain to the future kingdom of God. Or you can call this the new heavens and the new earth. Jesus here teaches that only the worthy will attain this, those who are judged worthy. And of course, if you read the Gospels, Jesus expounds, how is it that a person can become worthy? to make it to the kingdom. It's by following God's will. That's what Jesus has come to reveal. He says here, those who are judged worthy of a place in the other world and in the resurrection from the dead do not marry because they can no longer die. Notice the reason Jesus gives here for why they don't get married in the new heavens and the new earth. Those who attain to the resurrection will not be married because they can no longer die. The meaning here seems to be they will no longer need to have children because they're not going to die, so there's no need to replace them. So therefore, there's no need to get married because they're not going to die anyway, so there's no need to replace them with children. Here we see a subtle teaching that one of the main purposes of marriage is for making children, which is, of course, a Catholic teaching. Other scholars think maybe it's not necessarily about reproduction, maybe it's more about You don't need to have children in the sense that you won't need anyone to perpetuate your name because you're going to be an immortal children, a mortal child of God. But in both cases, the reference here is to uh, people won't get married because they won't need to have children. That's the basic meaning here. This is a really controversial teaching. A lot of married people struggle with this teaching that if you're married in this life, you won't be married in heaven. But it does come directly from Jesus. So we, we need to wrestle with it. Why is it that people won't be married in the next life? Well, Jesus has told us that there won't be, certainly there won't be any need to make children, but why is it then that people still can't retain their married unions from this life? It seems to be something like this. Marriage is a sign in this life which models the greater love of God. So it's something for this life which models something which we'll have greater access to in the next life. In heaven, we're going to have the real thing. We're going to have God's true love in its fullness. So there won't be any need for models. So this indicates that marriage is provisional for this life only. Those who make it to heaven will be completely fulfilled by God, so they won't need marriage. Now, maybe there's still room for saying that people will still retain their special bonds with their husband and wife, but they won't really be husband and wife in their earthly sense. Now, the lectionary here takes out a phrase, which is actually in the original. What Jesus says here, if you look at the Greek, or if you look at most Bibles, it says, the people who are accounted worthy of that life will not marry, nor will be given in marriage. So both phrases are used. They will not marry, nor are given in marriage. Since Jesus uses both phrases, one referring to men, they won't marry, nor are they given in marriage, that phrase refers to women, that might imply that men and women will retain their biological sex in the resurrection because Jesus mentions them as separate groups in the resurrection. So that's interesting. And certainly that is Catholic teaching that we'll retain our essence of maleness and femaleness in the new heavens and the new earth. 
Now, evidently, the Sadducees believed that if there was going to be a resurrection of the dead, as the Pharisees believed, the Sadducees thought that that would be ridiculous because it would have to be some sort of continuation of the state of affairs on earth. Maybe they envisioned that a resurrection of the dead would involve resuscitation of corpses, just a pure resuscitation of corpses. So Jesus here is telling them that the resurrection of the dead will happen, but it will be a fundamentally different kind of existence. It won't just be a resuscitation of corpses. So he's correcting their false views of the resurrection. And then Jesus adds this interesting phrase, they will not marry because they can no longer die, for they are the same as angels. Now, Jesus here tells us that in heaven, the new heavens and new earth, people will be in some sense the same as angels. But Jesus has told us what that sense is. It's in the sense that they cannot die. People will be like angels in the new heavens and new earth, not because they'll have wings, but because they can't die, just as angels can't die. Jesus here does not teach that people become angels when they die. That's not the teaching of the Bible. But Jesus here says we'll be like angels if we attain to that life in the sense that we can't die. Actually, there's a key difference between angels and humans in heaven. Humans will have bodies. Angels won't have bodies. So there's there's actually a key difference here. Now, the Sadducees didn't believe in angels either. So Jesus is really digging in here by mentioning angels. And then Jesus finishes this thought by saying, and being children of the resurrection, they are sons of God. So this phrase seems to mean something like, they will have a supernatural body that God will sustain them, so they will not die. They'll be children of the resurrection, God will sustain them, they won't die. So having answered the question about marriage, about the scenario of the, of the women, Jesus has said, well, actually, no one will be married in heaven. Jesus now goes on to show the more fundamental point. He's going to teach them that the resurrection of the dead is in fact taught in the books of Moses. Here's what he says. Moses himself implies that the dead rise again. Or you can translate that, even Moses showed. In a passage about the bush where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So this is a reference here to the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3 verse 6. Notice Jesus is quoting from Exodus, which is a book they do accept. And it's the phrase when God says from the burning bush, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Jesus in verse 38 says, Now he is God not of the dead, but of the living. Let's try and understand Jesus' reasoning here. He's saying that in order for God to say, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac, not I was their God, at the time of Moses, he still says, I am their God at the time of the burning bush. Well, that means that those men at the time of the burning bush must have been in some sense alive in God's sight. The teaching here is, when, when God says this, God teaches that these people do not stop existing after death. And Jesus then says, if you study that passage carefully, that means those people were in some sense alive after their death. Therefore, what he's saying is that if that's the case, the resurrection of the dead is quite possible. Remember, the Sadducees didn't believe that the soul survived death. But Jesus says, well, in the burning bush, God teaches that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's soul does survive death. Now, if you think back to the parable of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16, remember who's a character in that parable? Abraham. Abraham is, is portrayed as being conscious after his death. So that's an interesting connection here. 
Now, this passage doesn't prove that the resurrection of the dead will occur. Actually, all this passage proves is that these men are still alive somewhere at the time of Moses. So their souls are existing somewhere. It doesn't prove that there'll be a resurrection of the dead. But Jesus has at least shown that the soul continues after death, which is something that even the Sadducees didn't believe. So he's shown that that belief doesn't make sense if you look at the books of Moses. Now, on top of that, a Jewish belief at the time was that life is in some sense connected to the body. So by Jesus saying that they're alive after their death, probably the implication would have to be that in some sense, they'll one day get a body back. Now, we might look at this and think, hmm, this is not the best argument for Jesus to use here. There's better passages from the Old Testament that he could have picked to show the resurrection. For example, in the book of Daniel, there's a very clear passage that discusses how the dead will rise again. And in Maccabees, there's very clear teachings that the dead will rise again. But Jesus knows that if he quotes from Daniel or Maccabees, the Sadducees don't accept those books. So Jesus is restricted to picking an example from the Torah. That's quite interesting, isn't it? Jesus always reasons with his opponents using common ground that they accept. And then he says this, For to God all men are alive. Or we can translate that, all men live to him. This is quite a profound theological point. Jesus says that all people who have existed are conscious before God somewhere. Here we have the basis of the Christian teaching of what's called the intermediate state, that the soul enters after death. That's actually described earlier in Luke 16 in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. It's the Catholic teaching as well, that when you pass away, your soul goes to the intermediate state, which is apparently where... Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were at the time of the burning bush. So we'd love to get some more information from Jesus about this, but that's pretty much where he finishes. And if you read on, you'll see that the Sadducees, basically they admit defeat. They say, well put, master, and then they don't want to ask him any more questions. So from here, the lectionary actually skips over the last part of Luke chapter 20, That's when Jesus asks the Jewish leaders a question about David, and then he denounces the scribes. So this conversation actually continues, but it's never read in the lectionary. So if you want to hear that next section of Jesus speaking to the Jewish leaders about David, uh, you can hear that as a bonus episode of the podcast, which you can get access to through the Patreon page. So check that out if you're interested. There's a link to the Patreon page in the episode description. So the next section that's read regularly in the lectionary is the start of Luke chapter 21, which is when the widow puts the coin in it at the temple. And you can hear that on Monday of week 34 in ordinary time. And that's probably not too far away from when you're listening to this episode. So thanks for listening today. I hope you have learned something new. We'll just finish with one catechism paragraph today. Paragraph 330 is about angels, who are angels, and obviously that links fairly well to what Jesus says today. As purely spiritual creatures, angels have intelligence and will. They are personal and immortal creatures, surpassing in perfection all visible creatures, as the splendor of their glory bears witness. So that's a nice little summary there. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully we'll see you again tomorrow.